Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. And when was the last time you listened to a full record from beginning to end? Instead of the algorithmic jumble of modern music delivery, just gave yourself over to the careful work of a single artist. That's what we're all about on Record Time. And we've put together a 10-album listening experience each season, crossing eras and genres, all for the love of the album. In this, our second season, we're focusing exclusively on live albums. So take your partner and have a little waltz, and keep an eye out for those white cars while we talk about The Frames and their reckless, vibrant album, Setlist. And for those who like a little liquid accompaniment with their active listening, this evening we were meant to be enjoying Guinness drafts, but um, I forgot about the blue laws here in the great state of Massachusetts, and I timed my trip to the alcohol depository <laughs> a little late, and uh, I was unable to get them, which I think is fine, Pete. It's fine. Because um, I feel like we're going to have many occasions to uh, drink Guinness with other artists in the future. I feel like that's a very I think you're right. malleable drink. Although it does feel bad because this is some kind of record and uh, that was a real match. It's a perfect match. But I feel like this has enough Irish sauce in it as an album that it doesn't really need it. But it is a perfect pairing. So if you get some Guinness, got some in the fridge or whatever... Strap on the ear pods and put this, you know, at your local pub and let them build you a pint. Apparently that's the correct term is build a pint. Indeed it is, yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and we will be envious of you. Uh, we will. As you, but, but you're right, Pete. I, I don't think this record needs much <laughs> to, to carry it because this man. record. Yeah. I know. I went hyperbolic on this immediately at the end of the Judy Garland episode. <laughs> and I mean it. And I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I feel like this is... Frampton comes alive in an alternate universe. Mm. This is this is a very very special album, and I have you to thank for it because you introduced me to it. Well, we we both have a writer uh, of the now defunct website Television Without Pity to thank for it. I remember that. Yes, uh, Linda Holmes. From many of you probably know her voice from. Uh, NPR pop culture happy hour and That's things like right. that. I knew she was some <coughs> sort of public figure. I couldn't quite remember. Is like, is she a comedian? Nope. Uh, though she's okay. quite funny. Um, she yeah. is a lawyer and a writer um, and a discusser of, of pop culture. And back when she wrote under the handle Miss Alley for Television Without Pity ah. about, um, I think, both The West Wing and Survivor, two of my favorite television shows, uh, she tweeted perhaps or maybe just wrote in one of her um discussions of these shows about this album that she just thought was i can't quite remember exactly how she put it but she gave me the impression that it was an absolutely pristine capturing of a band and an audience in love with each other and um 
and just a band operating at the height of its powers. I'm and whatever it was she said sent me scrambling to buy it at the time. I wasn't subscribed to Apple Music or anything. There wasn't anything like that. I just no. bought it based on this one sentence that she said and, and the fact that I trusted her general culture opinions uh, and fell in love with the album just as much as, as you did when you first heard it. Whoa. Yeah. Which you, you mentioned to me, and this was pre-Twitter. This had to have been 2002, yeah. 2003. Yeah, I think. I mean, the album itself is what two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because this album appears in a bubble because, frankly, I've never heard about it from anybody else. Oh wow! And like I mentioned last time, Glenn Hansard, yes, uh, the songwriter, lead singer, guitarist, uh, frontman of this band, went on to uh, perform in and write once the movie, right? Which then went on to become a musical, which was directed by another member of the band. I didn't even know that. And frankly, I've never seen the movie. Never oh. seen the musical. Oh wow! I this album stands alone, and I and I for whatever reason doubled down on that and did very little additional research on this mm. album, <laughs> okay. except what I could find very uh, superficially. But what I did because I really wanted to was just like take a fucking long goddamn bath. Yeah, on this album because yep. it is absolutely one of the best live albums I've ever heard. Yep, and it is one of the best representations of like you like Linda Holmes said. Yeah. Of an audience performer relationship. Yeah. To me, this is the ultimate gig. Yeah. Especially as a musician who plays in a band. Hear me now, Rockmores. These <laughs> songs will have their influence on songs I write now. Well, especially now. It's a it's an entirely separate topic, I think. How good these songs are, as compared with the, the journey of listening to this album and and and, and spying on this room where this love affair happened God. right and and you can we've talked at length about what it's like to be in these rooms and these live albums that we've been doing here in season two yeah but i don't know that any of them have quite the texture of this album there you can hear phones going off you can hear beers being dropped yeah you can hear people shushing each other <laughs> you can hear um i mean obviously there are these incredibly emotional moments Several times yes. where the crowd is singing. Well, first off, the crowd is never not singing along. Th- th- there are rarely moments where this audience doesn't seem to know every lyric of this of, of whatever song is being it's played. Incredible. And it and it made me when we talked about this at the end of the Julie Garland episode, yeah. you mentioned like an incredible moment in time, like a singular event. And I'm like, yeah, but is it? Right. Because I can't help but feel like this audience has traveled with the band. For yeah. every stop on this tour. Yeah, it seems they like. They know everything. It seems like. And at the same time, he's like from stage, like, wow, you're an amazing crowd. Like, holy shit. Well, he, he, there yeah. are times where they're singing along where he's like, whoa, yeah. not he, ready for it. You often hear, uh, and, and I think it happens once or twice in this album, too. You often hear the lead singer of a, of a group during a live show, live show invite the audience to sing along. Or there become traditional moments at which people sing along. But it seems to me there are several instances in this one in this record, where he gives way to the audience. And he's just like, I mean, you hear him saying, like, wow, like, I can't even believe this. Yeah, and he just lets them do it. And then there are other times where they just know exactly when to come in. Yes. Celebrate this time. Come on. I, how could, this isn't just one night. Right, no. This is a a relationship. Well, so I just took a peek. The record was released in 2003, recorded in Dublin in 2002. Thank you. And the frames had been around by 2002 for 12 years. 12 years? Yeah. I mean, we're diving into this headlong, which I love. Um, 
But yeah, let's like, should we back it up? I mean, what do you know about Glenn Hansard? What do you know about the history of this band? Well, I know that he, not a ton. I know that he, along with many Irish bands uh, that gained a lot of prominence, of which the Frames were kind of the sort of figurehead, it seems to me, from what I've been reading, all started out as buskers on, um, uh, what's the street? It's just, The name just left me in Dublin. So I know that Once is about a busker, so there Indeed. you go. Yeah. And, um, uh, gosh, beyond that, I, I know that they've, they've had members come and go. I know that in the, in the listening I've done to their studio albums, while I find them fantastic, they don't capture me the way this live album does. And I didn't listen to any of them. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, no, I think yeah. they sound, I the songs sound different. I, you know, one of our friends was talking about the live season and how he imprints on the studio versions, and we've talked about sure. how sometimes I have difficulty kind of transitioning. Once I love a song in the studio, I don't necessarily love it live. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't know if it's primarily that factor or what, but, boy, hearing those songs on the studio recordings are just, it's just not... The same. I'll get me. there. Yeah, I, and I think it's worth doing because it's a good band. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I mean, I will dig in. Yeah. But I like. I just. I love this album so much that I. I didn't want to do anything but listen to it, in preparation for this. Uh, I just wanted to find everything in there. And you've already tonight told me things that I hadn't heard, and now I have to go listen to it again. It was funny for me to study, start studying this album because this album becomes this album over the years for me is in a pool of albums that are just like, I need a record that makes me feel better right now. Yeah. And this is, you know, one of the top two or three. Um, one of them is, uh, I don't know if we'll get to it in a future season, I would really love to, is uh, Screaming Trees' Sweet Oblivion. Ooh. I don't know how well you know that That's record. been in our list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, I've, I've presented that previously, but... Um, but this one, um, it's just like, I, I, I don't know what to listen to. I'm just going to listen to this. And, and I actually, that's, it wasn't fair to say I needed an album to make me feel better. What I mean to say is I don't quite know what to listen to right now, but I need it to be really good. Right. And so I can just roll this and every song is interesting, uh, more complex than it presents itself to be. And every song. So much fun. And I, I'm often shocked at how long this album is. Yeah. Because it, it's a journey. It, it's a full show. It, but it moves. It you, does. You, you think, like, I've been listening to this forever and I've got a half an hour to go. Like, yeah. because so much happens in each song. So much happens. And there's. It's a great set beginning to end. Yep. There, there are two things that are I'm a sucker for uh, that this album really plies its trade in. One is the build and the fall. Oh, right? yeah. And they are constantly building up uh, energy and, and rhythm and passion and then releasing it and letting it fade and then kind of going into these lulls. Yes. Song to song, within songs. Uh, this is one of the things I've always loved about the Black Crows. You know, th these, these builds, these slow, the dynamic. steady... Getting bigger, getting bigger, and bursting, and yeah. then like celebrating, and then kind of taking it back down, and kind of 
ca- taking care of us, really. Uh, they really take care of you as an audience. And it's the full expanse of like rock music. Like this is a fucking rock record. He yeah. screams. Yes. It is everyone full fucking blast. Yeah. Up to eleven, a thousand percent, and then it goes down to the tenderest, sweetest moments. Right. But so the one thing I w- the the tiny disagreement I would have with that is that for rock and roll, it's too clean. It's like everyone, you, the production is... Oh, it's gorgeous. You can hear every tip of the hi-hat. You can hear every piece of texture that they want you to have. But there's plenty of dirt in here, man. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of dirt, and he screams, and he's off. I will wait for you! <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you don't have to wait anymore. That's yeah. good. <laughs> like, there are moments where it's too much. Yes. Then it's raw, and yeah. it reminds you that it's a live performance, and it's a band in the moment giving it That's every... Fair. That's totally fair. So, and and then down to those tender moments, and that's that is one of the most wonderful things about it is how he's able to, he they yeah work the band to kind of create these incredible extremes. Yep. And then how that you can, I just wish I was there. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of show I want to present to an audience. Right. As a band member, as right. a musician, this is the exactly kind of the kind of gig that I would want to go to in a big cavernous room yeah. and drink too much and like just leave with my ears on fire just vibrating and he they know physically. how to play a set yeah. that works for that and that just leaves you so sweetly at the end right after just well, we, taking we, you through a journey we need to talk about that encore because oh, that is I mean gorgeous absolutely brilliant but how do you that is such an artistic choice. That is such a beautiful I mean, and uncommon perfect. artistic choice perfect. to leave a set like that with a single. It's the slowest song that they've done the whole night from beginning to end. It's the most tender, the most honest. It's and, the pillow talk. And like it, it is. <laughs> and like I said before, they, it, I think it's rare that a band knows how to take care of their audience to the degree that this band did. I agree. And again, this is an alternate universe album because it's as good as anything else. But yeah. frankly, you are the only person in the entire world <laughs> that I've heard about this album from. Wow. Even in all the talk about once as a movie, right. as an Academy Award winner, yeah, that got as some a attention. musical, yes. the frames yes. were never mentioned. Right. This album. I don't get it. You are the only person in the entire world who has told me about this record, and I want everybody in the world to hear it. <laughs> Well, I'm grateful to have found it and always, always excited when I get the chance to uh, kind of hip somebody to it because I, I feel like it's one of the pieces, you know, I mean, it's always so fun. It, once you once you have fallen in love with a piece of art and, and, and learned it so thoroughly, right, and incorporated it into your life, the only thing you have to approach the feeling of discovering that piece of art is to pr- give it to somebody else. Yes. I've always felt that. Yes. And, um, you know, like Blue Man Group, right? I loved going to Blue Man Group. I thought it, bl- it blew me away, Blue Man Group, no pun intended. And and so, but I don't want to go just see it again. The only way I'll go is if I'm going with somebody who hasn't seen it. Right. You know what I mean? But, like, uh, that would be an experience. Love to go? Yes, yes. With if someone I, who's never I, been? Like, oh my God, you haven't seen this? Ja, okay. Let's go. I'm not telling this. you anything. Right. And we're going to go. Right. See and it. I'm half watching the show and half watching the person I'm, I went with. I love that. Yeah. 
Now, I didn't ask to watch you listen to this album. No. Maybe I should have. Maybe at the time, but you're just like, dude. <laughs> and it's so funny because now that we know that it's 2003, I'm, that was when it was. Like yes. you, So Linda Holmes must have hip to it when it when came it out. When it was released. It must have been, yeah. And then you listened to it, and yes. then you were just like, yeah. dude. Guys, yeah. And I'm like, all right, Tim wants me to hear it. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. It's um, funny. I Brian, I think, has expressed that same sentiment. Brian Polak has expressed that same sentiment to me in the past long ago in the past that same thing of like i don't know where you found this album <laughs> yeah yeah and i tend to be effusive or whatever i've been accused of that before <laughs> i think um, we both have <laughs> yeah and i and i really feel like I, I pride myself on like trying to have a certain amount of critical ear and yeah. like i only pick the good shit right and this is the best shit yeah it's pretty good it's pretty great should we talk about it uh, yeah well, I mean, um what do we need well let's General stuff first. General stuff. So we've talked about the crowd. We've talked about the production a little bit. Um, I, I wanted to say the other thing that I mentioned two things before, the, the builds and the falls. Uh, there's something that I really love and look for in the bands and, and the uh, artists that I listen to, which is that they write vulnerably enough to sing their fears on stage. And if they're really yeah. good at it, they get the audience to sing those fears too. And I, we probably have talked about it on this podcast, something my wife and I talk about all the time. You know that Facebook posts aside, every one of us is dragging around a bag of shit yeah. all the time. Yes. And uh, we are often doing our best uh, to kind of muddle through despite that bag and, and the ways that it weighs us down. Mm. Um, but when a when a band or an artist can allow a room full of people to take deep breaths in and sing about those fears, which you know maybe it's not the exact same, but these are songs anyway. It's not like they're you know biographies. They're they're artistic interpretations of fears, and so we're all sharing in them. And when you can hear a room full of people yeah. sing, "I want my life to make more sense." And all of the other various moments of, of yearning for teach more me peace. how to shine, right. shine. Right. They give the audience the canvas. Yes. And as a songwriter, that's all I ever want to do. <sighs> I want to be able to connect with people on those feelings. Yeah. And so and admirable, and you do. I mean, I do my best. Uh, but that's this inspires me. Yeah. In a way that few do. Yeah. Because they really tackle those things. And Glenn Hansard, much to his credit, because he's on every song as a songwriter, um, he knows how to do that. Yeah. And he also knows how to do it. And I'm going to have to negotiate carefully the language here. Okay. I mean, because, like, there's only so much of that that I feel like <laughs> a mainstream rock audience is. Um, and in this case, I will focus on the men. Yes. Can take. Yes. While still maintain that sort of facade that they need to of like sure. toughness. Yep. And I, I feel like few male songwriters do this well. And so Glenn Hansard, I think, to me, enters the same um, canon as like Bruce Springsteen yep. and Tom Waits. Yep. Which I think are two other songwriters that can wear their heart on their sleeve and be vulnerable and still maintain that sort of masculine posture that I would makes them optimally accessible. Yes. I would throw Ben Folds in there. Ben Folds is another good example. Yeah. Sure. 
Yep. And, and and I think Ben is, um, in fact, one of his albums is one of the ones we considered for this season, Ben Folds Live. Oh, I know. We might um, do a single. Maybe, but I think on that record, there are several instances where he takes the opportunity to teach people to sing. I mean, he, he divides the audience into four-part uh, harmony. That's the song I would want to do. You were not the same after that. And because I got to go to a Ben Folds show yeah. and have that experience. And again, that's, that's another moment that as a uh, band member and yeah. songwriter, yeah. I want to create a moment like that. Yeah. And they're peppered throughout this this record that we're talking about tonight, oh and certainly that Ben Folds God, record as well. But yeah. they're all over the place here, and they're a little more agile about it than than Ben. Ben's a little music teachery about He's it. He's a little bit. These more guys on the just nose. tuck them right in, just like those sneaky little covers they do, like yeah. Ring of Fire and right. Celebrate, and and uh, you know all the others that they and Redemption Song. Well, like, Ben all Folds these... had something in mind. I mean, in order to teach those sort of harmonies, you need to do that. Sure. Uh, another band that I saw that does it well is Cake, where mm -hmm. he, they had. Uh, multiple melodies and multiple sides of the audience. So you like it's sort of like these, you know, two different parts kind of coming together. But yep. you do need to take a minute and get one group situated yes. and the other group situated if you're going to do something complex like right, that. Right, right. I feel like in the case of the frames, Glenn Hansard is like just trying to get everyone together on the yes. same thing. Yes. And He's it clearly seems like they've all been taught already. Well, before oh, either game. either through habit or through uh, editing that we didn't hear. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I can't imagine. It, it feels played through, this show. And I don't know what... What do you mean by played through? I mean, just like, I don't hear any edits. It doesn't feel like I, there are any I, I listen for them, man, and, and you and I both have ears that can pick up when yeah. there's a gap. And sometimes I feel... In fact, on the uh, Apple, uh, you know, the, the iTunes match that I listen through their yeah. record cuts... And uh, I'm like, oh, oh, there was an edit there. But then I realized that they've just gone back, you know, 1.5 seconds... Right. B before the end of the in. previous track, where the yeah. following track starts. And so I'm like, oh, no, that's, this is all smooth. This, there's nothing missing here. Yeah. 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 So just props really quickly to the band. I mean, I, I feel like... As someone for whom, you know, I, I profess my religion to be rock stars, um, I don't spend enough on the individual personnel. So Glenn Hansard, guitar and vocals, and again, chief songwriter with right. some of the other folks. Yep. Uh, Joseph Doyle, bass guitar vocals, beautiful work he does. Uh, Rob Bochnick, lead guitar. Dave Hingerty on drums. And then Colm MacCon Iomer. I think God bless. that's how that's <laughs> pronounced. On violin, keyboards, and vocals. And uh, wow. I just violins have to. And key so and the violins keys. and the keyboards, I didn't even realize that was the same person. I mean, and frankly, I don't, you know, I don't, there's not too many keys on this. Um, it's a lot of it is just sort of no, like I guess that's true, pads yeah. and kind of like stuff to kind of make the arrangements sound fuller. So, like, this is just an incredible rock band. And I, I find we talked last season about the uh, 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 Arcade Fire, um, mm -hmm. the Suburbs, yep. and how I felt on that song that the, like, the strings really do the sort of heavy lifting of the rock star kind of feeling. And I really think the violin yes. on this album, I feel like, I can't help but feel like Glenn sat down with Colm. Yeah. Um, it's like, look, we really want you to be in this band. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to play very much. But when you do, when you do. you're yeah. going to play the most important fucking notes in the entire <laughs> thing. Are you cool with that? I would not be shocked. Yeah. 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 I mean, it starts from song one. Right. We'll get to the track by track soon. Right. But fuck, this album 
I mean, it goes over the cliff and revelate. When that violin solo comes in, yeah. it's just. I, I can't do it justice. There but are times when I don't even realize it's a violin. I mean, and then, it, and you know, for the first few moments of the solo or whatever it is. Holy shit. And I, I may lose us, or I may lose myself a, a fan or two over this at, at some point if we ever have Ooh, fans. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm a pretty big Dave Matthews Band fan. Okay. And uh, I know uh, he, they're not everybody's cup of tea, but I, man- I managed to see them, thanks to Ben Jones, uh, at the Paradise before they were anything. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, or not before they were anything, but before, like, it wasn't sold. I saw them at a non-sold-out show at the that Paradise. That had to have been, like, 94? Yeah, about there. 93, maybe. Probably 94. Wow. Yeah. So and before Under the Table and Dreaming. I mean, I had room to walk around in the Paradise at a Dave Matthews band oh show. Oh, my God. So it was early. Yeah. And um, so I don't feel bad liking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked them before it was hip. Oh, uh, well, okay. Then. But but obviously they have you know Boyd and and everything that he does for that band. But I feel like um, I don't know if oh, this tall whatever you want to do. But I just love how deftly they use, as you just described, the 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 fiddle in this. It is record. God, the just the secret weapon. And they musically they, they play. This is usually has a negative connotation. They play with your emotions so much. They they affect emotions so much. You and I have both talked about how this record, even as many times as we've listened to it, can catch us off guard emotionally on the train wherever with some of the the sentiments that they are talking about in some of these songs. Off and, guard. Yeah, and, and I think the fiddle is the only reasonable instrument to carry some of the. Heights that they take you to because it record. can moan right like the way you want yeah. it to moan. It's just you can't do that with other instruments. Yeah, I mean you um, can do it with a guitar. I mean guitar solos come come in that in that same atmosphere. But interestingly, this album doesn't have that many like fucking face melting blistering guitar solos. Like no, all I of can't. that heavy lifting is done by the violin. Yeah, it's true. When when the emotions really get high, when that when that peak is needed, and when Glenn isn't just sort of screaming it, um, <laughs> it's, it's which, the which you know, again, we we have a, a front man here, n- not to dive away from the uh, fiddle, but we again have a front man here whose vocals are are both not good but great, but not good, right? But great. Uh, not 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 technically good, but he has a a way of sort of speaking on behalf of the music. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a good way to say it. Yeah, like, it, it, it's it, it's nestled into the song. Now, he's the songwriter. It makes all the sense in the world, but it's still a vulnerability and a lack of, um, you know, the, he just pulls out all the stakes and, and places his voice where the song demands it. And I think that's its skill and a talent all its own. I certainly agree. To, to write material that works for you yeah. as a singer and as a player, mm-hmm. because people can write stuff and just not pull it off, and then you hear a cover of it and be like, oh, that's what that's supposed to be. James Taylor couldn't sing these songs <laughs> for all of his gorgeous voice. He couldn't, it would, no. they would not be, it would not be right for these songs. Those heights, those depths. Right. Yeah, Glenn Hansard has it. Right. Um, and at the same time, yeah, he has that vulnerability, he has the strength, he has the angst, and he has the ability to be a good front man. He tells great stories. Great stories, man. They're hilarious. Yeah. And he he helps to evoke like a certain kind of feeling of childhood. Yeah. A certain kind of feeling of like hanging out with your mates. And like these are just him this is just him hanging out with his mates yep. kind of like taken to another level. Yeah. Um, I, love, yeah. I love the dog story obviously, but I also love I think my favorite one is 
the side, uh, drinking, drinking cider, cider in malahide, yeah. and some uh, thugs were trying to so steal my leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you can hear him chuckling. Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't yeah. know. It, it's so charming. No, this is really so about So great. Yeah. Hanging out, last days of summer, making right. tapes for your mates. Off school. Making tapes for your mates. Yeah, man. Like that, I remember that. Yep. yep. I mean, I know you've had that. No question. I sort of imagine you with your mates yeah. listening to this. No question. Um, yeah, and I had something similar, and, and it, it it's wonderful to have that feeling invoked and and know where that can then take you. Yeah. The artistic heights that that can, that, that can lead, the simple, humble, hopefully, I hope, common yes. upbringing that let's hope lots of people have had then can bring you to this incredible place. And I don't want to crap on his voice too much because I do think he takes some really interesting melodic choices. And obviously, and you can speak to this far more than I can, I have some mm. questions about some specific moments, but Ooh, okay. he, he, these are deceptive, we've talked about this, these are deceptively complicated songs. They are. There's, there's subtle variations, there's, um, there's just a lot of variety and, and, Musical these, variety. These songs never ever rest on what they've established. Never. Uh, no. And and they by the time the record's yeah. over, you are emotionally aware of that in a very keen way. Yes. Um, whether you're consciously aware of it or not, you have been through so much because you never just get lulled into this kind of typical. Uh, anything that you just churn out for three and a half minutes and end it. Right. This is an incredible lesson in arrangement. Yes. Uh, for a small number of players, and for no one's doing anything, uh, you know, except maybe the violin that that's like that musically, technically challenging, and mm -hmm. that's not in any way meant to be a detriment to any of the players, all of whom I think are outstanding. I agree. But the parts are simple. Mm -hmm. But it's the band working together, the ebbing and flowing through an arrangement that, again, I just like, I hope my bandmates listen to this record. Yeah. <laughs> I hope like, everybody does. So, I hope everyone listens to this yeah. record. There's so many lessons. Yep. And so many wonderful moments and emotions. Do we, are we ready to go? Let's go through, through it. Yeah, I think, I don't think I have much else on the general side of things. So one of the things that's fun about this is, of course, everyone's experience of going to see a live show, at least in a place where the band controls the experience, yeah. is you have the pre-show music. Mm -hmm. And you have, like, if there's a set break, you have, like, right. set break music. Right, right. Um, and I think that's, it's fun to go to a show where there is pre-show music mm. and hear what it is. Yes. Um, and so I love the fact that their pre-show music is <laughs> Anthony Newley, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Which he then calls out during the set, too. Exactly. And it just makes you wonder, what's he doing with that right. as the pre-show music? Uh, one of the my favorite examples is, um, and it would be a you know I'll I'll post a YouTube from it or whatever. But the D. A. Pennebaker, David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust movie. Oh, uh, hits his last night uh, with this band yeah. ever. Okay. Uh, at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, and he his pre-show music is the um, the Wendy Carlos Clockwork Orange Bach oh, music. Oh yes. Dun, 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 which yum. Yeah, yum, that kind yum, of yum, right. Yum. Which I feel like he's trying to do something with that. Wow, because he yeah. is this sort of otherworldly creature, and he's yeah. got his makeup and his crazy hair, and he's yeah. uh, you know spiders from Mars, all of that. And so that music helps establish the mindset that then makes you more receptive to the otherworldliness of David Bowie. And and so to me, that's the high watermark. And I wonder, like, they include that music in the record, right? 
So he's doing something with that pre-show music. Well, like we've talked about, you know, you select covers to uh, adopt a yeah. perspective and incorporate that into your into your thing artistic album or live performance or whatever it might be, uh, and you are hoping to you know triangulate uh, with that choice. And yeah. so certainly, yeah, that was that was included. Didn't have to be. Falls out completely right before it does. The music starts, so we yes. could have just picked it up right from there. Could have just picked it up right from there, exactly. But no, the, he includes it. And I think it is meant to sort of invite you into an exciting, inviting world. Um, yes. It's friendly. It's accessible. Uh, if people know the movie, they know that it's from the scene in the, the chocolate room. Mm. And so who knows what magic may ensue. Right. And then following that up with those gritty opening chords. Yeah, really raunchy. Revelate. Yep. Right Bang, into the rock. Mid-tempo. Like, blam. Yep. Yeah, giving it to you. Um, the then, passion, the yeah. the desperation in this song. And sometimes the, I need the a gritty teeth. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's all too hard to take. Man, he just right from the get go says, "Look, if you came here to uh, release some tension, I am signaling to you that that we are right here and ready to kind of handle that for you." Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm going to return to this a lot because I think it's a big theme of this. They they take care of their audience from moment one. And they, it's an incredible opening song, and I love opening songs that we've discussed many times about what they sh- say about who you are, and it's such an incredible opening statement of, of immediately ready for this raw emotional experience. And that fucking fiddle, man, did... The, the structure of the song is so cool in that it starts and it has a guitar solo first. Yes. Like, because then you think you're just like, you're seeing a rock band. Yes. And so by the time that guitar solo comes in, you're like, you know that you're like at the height of what that rock band's going to do. Because everyone is like, bah, yeah. bah, you know, the rhythm guitar is yes. loud. The solo is, bah, it's like really bendy boom. and really like guitar solo-y. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, I'm there, I'm there. And then boom, 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 boom. And there's another verse. It's almost grungy. It, it almost starts oh, from a grunge place. Very grungy. Yeah. Yeah, and then it goes to another verse, and then to another chorus, yeah. and then here comes another solo. Yes. And that fucking fiddle comes in and just sends you off into the Ba-da-da, goddamn stratosphere. That. And then it goes right to the chorus. Ba-da-da-da-da. It like resolves to major <laughs> from the. It starts sad, and then it hits this triumphant note. You um, almost feel like they've worn them themselves out from song one, but geez. they certainly don't give you half a second to pause before going into Star Star, Star which there's a scream at the beginning of Star Star that lets you know how into this the audience is. Somebody, there's a girl, I think, in the, in the back, whatever. Yeah. It's the first moment of Star Star, she screams as if all she wanted from life was to show up at that night and hear that song. Wanted to be there. Right. Yeah. Which is something, you know, I mean, I don't know. If you're into music, you've been to a show at some point in your life where there was one song you were just counting on that band to play that night. And maybe they did and maybe they didn't. I don't know. But that scream is identifiable, right? It's It, it echoes something that we've all felt. If we're, you if too, we're, man. If we're caring to, to, to listen at all, we're caring for something in particular. Most of the time. You too. Tell me. A couple of years ago. Yeah. The Joshua Tree thing? Joshua Tree at uh Yeah. Gillette Stadium. Yes. They played bad. Nice. And that was like 
Really, frankly, the first three songs they played were my three favorite U2 songs. And Which are? then they played Joshua Tree. They did In the Name of Love. Uh-huh. That was their opening goddamn song. It's like, oh my God, the first U2 song I ever knew. Right. One of my favorites. <laughs> right into New Year's Day, my favorite ever U2 song. And then my second favorite ever U2 song, Bad. bad. Right. right in a row. Right. And it was when they hit Bad, and that started, and I was just like, oh God. Oh, God. What was the song? Watson and I used to cover, with Taller Than You, we used to cover, um, if you want to take my picture, then I won't remember. And then we would drop into bad in the middle of that. It's basically the same. I remember you doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would do that at Improv Asylum. That's right. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I remember singing that song with you in the car on the way to O'Hare Airport. Oh, yes. Um, anyway, <laughs> so back to the perfect live show. And Please. this clearly is doing that right. for more than one person because they immediately start singing. Yes, every note, along every word, every word of yep. Star Star. And, and here's so Revelate and Star Star are two incredible songs with which to start a show. Yeah. And it brings to mind my thought that I had driving over here, which was I, what do you think the best song on this album is? Um, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. It's really hard. I, yeah. Most albums, you can pick, I'd say, safely, two, three, maybe four songs where you're like, one of these is the best song. Maybe, might even be just two songs where you're like, one of these is the best song. Yeah. Or maybe you could just pick the best one very easily. For this album, I think the best that you can do is that there are like two, maybe three songs that are not the best, that you know are not the best. I'm not saying that they're bad, they're all but wonderful. you know that they're not the best. There's not a bad song on here. No, there's like 10 songs that have a legitimate case for being the best song on the album. I can't pick a best without immediately being like, well, you know, except right. for... Right, exactly. And then I would just keep doing that until I exhausted Until the it. album was over. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the things I find so impossible and remarkable about this album. Right. It is the biggest live album ever in an alternate universe. Yeah, right. That, it is Frank right. Comes Alive somewhere else in some <laughs> Black Mirror episode. Right. Everybody knows this album. Yeah, everybody sings along to every note. Every note. And Glenn Hansard is the you're like a, a most insufferable person <laughs> because you've seen him every day of your life. Right. I don't understand how this is anything but that. I'm... I, it's so stupid to say. Because I'm it delighted just sounds, yeah. in some respects <laughs> because it, you know at least I don't have to feel bad about it the way I do like every time I put on a Dave Matthews Band so record. Good? Yeah, um, yeah, and I love Star Star. And then there he calls back to uh, the Willy Wonka bit, right? Um, which is just which is perfect in a song like that where you're like, yeah, look, look at, looking out to the cosmos, looking for some sense, looking for an answer. So I think what that does, both at the beginning of the show and there in the middle of Star Star, is sort of remind everybody that this is a jovial, you know, like, th- that we're all friends here. Yeah. Like, like oh, that's n- nice. We're not going to get too bogged down, because we're, we're going to venture into painful places. Yeah. But, but this is also f- therapeutic and fun, and we are all glad to be here. Yes. This is not a, a slog. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's super fun. It fact. is. Yeah. And yeah. upbeat in its own way. Yeah. And with those beautiful harmonies, wonderful harmony vocals, and just like Im- imminently singable. If you've never heard it before, right. by the time the chorus comes around again, you're ready for it. Right. And you can sing along with that shit. And it's a murderer's row because we go then into Lay Me Down, which uh, really probably mm-hmm. has as much claim as anybody for the best song on here, 
with its drop into Ring of Fire. Yeah. Which is so, so fun. With that awesome drum beat behind it. Yep. There's something really fun about how the weird off-kilterness of the drums and the vocals. And and that, I don't, how, is it just the bass creating that sort of rumbling um, kind of motor of this song? Is that? It's it's the bass, it, the, the sort of loping drums. Yeah. Uh, the bass and that really nice guitar part. He's got a little right, finger right. pick thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were mm-hmm. contemplating this one for the cover, and I'm like, I'm going to need a few weeks on this. <laughs> yes. To get that. Well, part. I only wanted to cover this because I wanted to cover Ring of Fire as well. <laughs> I didn't realize. I fell in. Well, I feel bad. Maybe we're we not just doing do that yeah. some other time. Yeah, we will. <laughs> okay. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a challenging, challenging song. Yeah. Um, but they all have it under their fingers perfectly, and I think it just has this sort of like nice rope loping rhythm. That's the band locked in together, all doing relatively simple things. This finger picking part accepted. That's just limitations on my ability. Um, that that create that momentum that this song has. And this is really, I think, though the though the audience has been singing the whole time, the chorus of this song. Lay me down. That's the moment where he's like, "Whoa!" Yes, and yeah. and and it gives people. I mean, they're look. Uh, Someone somewhere, I've been scouring the internet ever since, someone somewhere said something about how... Uh, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> about how there is, they have never found a more effective antidepressant than the act of singing out loud with other people in a chorus. I right? agree. Deep, and, I, and I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about you know uh, how... There's more at risk because you're taking breath is is the source of life, and you're in order to sing, you have to both take a deeper breath, a more full breath. You have to live more. You yeah. have to then let it out louder. These are not things that we are encouraged to do in our lives, uh, and 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 we all go and 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 take a piece a a, a, a bit of solace, and um, we gird ourselves. When we're at these shows and we have the chance to sing these things, I mean, I know some people are like, let the band sing, but like, you know, we're there in the right room, right? We're there to participate in this act. We can play the record at home and shut up and listen to it. That's right. But we're there to participate in the event, and 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 for me, and I think for many, 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 many people, that involves taking a deep breath in and lending your voice to this moment and pushing right? it out, yeah. right? And that is that feels good. I mean, that is participating in a human event in one of the things that sets us apart from other forms of life that we can arrange ourselves and do this thing. Um, and then to be able to layer on top of that, singing things that you might really be fucking feeling. Yes. I, I, there's a certain amount of... John Lennon taught me this. Oh. I mean, not personally. Well, um, that must have been fun. Yeah, <laughs> Listen, yeah. Peter, you're, you're <laughs> Peter. only eight years old. Peter. But I'm going to tell you a couple of things. I've um, got something to one say. One of which is that songwriting is kind of part sloganeering. Yes. And he, sure. all we are saying right, right, is right. give peace a yeah. chance. He was uh, remarkable as a songwriter. Come together yeah. to come up with slogans, yeah. put them to music, and make them things that people felt. Yes. And so that inclination to sing and that therapy of singing mm-hmm. is then lent to words yes that you really fucking feel yep and that goes right back to the bag of shit that everybody's carrying around right yeah 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 and so so many times on this album mm-hmm. he's rising 
getting people ri- raised raised in chorus. Yep. Things that words that anyone wants to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the b- back to lay me down. This is the first moment where the audience gets to, gets to shine the brightest. Yeah, and you really and hear them over the band. Lay me down. Yeah. I mean, it's massive, and uh, yeah, you're right. He it it surprises even him. Yeah. And then into God Bless Mom, which is really interesting. Um, this, I feel like, is the first one that really gives that example of what you're saying of every song being more complex yes. than you think it's going to be. Because you look at the lyrics to this song, and there's like seven lines. <laughs> right. It's nothing. Yeah. It, it's, it, it does a lot of work yes. in that time. And um, it's the only song I can think of that really in such a visceral way, <laughs> deals with the subject of being a child feeling bad for disappointing their parents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never experienced mm. that before or since. I, I don't know another song that, that is quite like that. And that, that, that gets so much out of that anxiety. Uh, it, it has, it's, it's as much of a journey as any of the song, any other song, maybe other than Fitzgeraldo, in that it's just got these different rooms, I feel like, that you move through yeah. in the course of this song. Some of them are happy, jovial, whatever. Some of them are pretty deep and dark. And um, and any song where you drop all the way down to the bass and you're like... And then, you know, I don't even remember exactly the, what the chords are. I think that's it, yeah. And then the band leader goes... All right. <laughs> when everyone comes in, that, that's the best moment in the world for me. Yeah. Like, again, hear me now, Rockmore. So I'm going to write a song where <laughs> we drop it all the way down and I just go, all right. <laughs> and then we all come in. And then the thing that's great about that is he doesn't even like it last. And then right. the four measures later, it's wham, 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 yeah. wham, 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 wham. And he catches people off guard. There's two or three. All the time. There's like two times in this where uh, they're, they're just making a holy noise yeah. and they drop. And you hear somebody being like, and that's what he said to the... <laughs> like you can hear See, people I in the crowd just that's like so funny. oh my god yeah if you just listen listen to the back that. corners p- throw it on your bows <laughs> throw it on your uh the quiet comforts on, on your quiet comforts yeah. and and listen and you will hear you hear beers dropped I'm like oh shit i mean you you hear people telling each other to shut up this is one of the things i wanted to mention this this play this happened in dublin this plays so differently than it would here, but it reminded me of something. And one of the places that Mike and I used to play yeah. uh, in Taller Than You was the back room at the Burren. Sure. And I only ever had the guts to go up to an open mic after going to an open mic at the back room of the Burren in Davis Square in Somerville because I saw somebody was performing and they were not very good. And people in the front left corner of the room were in a booth and they were talking loud over this performer, and the bartender in the back of the room took some ice and hucked it over into the corner and told them to shut the fuck up. That's great. Because somebody was performing. Yeah. So the back room of the Burren, which I imagine the, the frames would love to play, yeah. or at least visit, uh, uh, had that same kind of ethos of, like, the performers are here. You hear it especially when... Um, Han- when Glenn Hansard starts to tell the dog story, he he's like, I'll, I-, "I told this last night. I'll, I'll just tell it again." And you hear people be like, "Shut up!" Sh- sh- sh-. There's a big 
hush because people are just talking. They're having a night out. That's it's got to be a standing room show. Yeah. And they're, you know, holding their beers and talking about whatever. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden the room is just silent. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. really brilliant. I will have to listen for that. Oh, man. I'm so focused on the band. Please, no. Uh, just to hear those. There's guys. a lot of fun in That's the audience so in this one. The conversation is being shushed. There's something happens. It's killing me. If anybody knows anybody who's at this show, because something makes everybody laugh at one point. Yes. And it is just killing me. Yeah. Oh, man, like, I want to know what it like was. Like talked about Even it. Even Glenn, yeah. I think, laughs. Yes. Oh. Something happened. Does anybody know Glenn Hansard? <laughs> I have a question for him. <laughs> that would be a perfect happened? question. What is it in Setlist that makes people oh. laugh? If I, I ever get the chance, remember. I hope I have the presence of mind to remember. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I want to know. But filling in those gaps in your own mind and just imagining and feeling like left out and like, man, I wish I was there. Uh, I was interested to find out in my research that this is a room that holds 1,000 people seated. Oh, wow. And 1,500 standing, Whoa, which big. is bigger than I hear yeah. in, the, in the record. Yeah. But, hey, the it mics is. are only picking up so much, I guess. What happens when the heart just stops? The dog <laughs> story. Great story. Unbelievable okay, story. Pictures it from your mind, and then with the perfect like punchline at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the song is from his point of view. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, and just one thing about God Bless Mom that I have to say is that it, it takes a lot of guts, I think, to kind of pull off a harmonized falsetto vocal. Yes. Bless yes. Mom. Well, that's one of, one of the thing. One of the moments I was mentioning when I said he takes some risky yeah. and, and unorthodox paths to, toward representing what the song needs. Yeah. Toward being in the place that the song needs. Because um, it doesn't come off great, but it comes off right. Yeah. For what it, for what it needs. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't fall over. Right. Yeah. It doesn't fall flat. It, it, but like you're saying, it's not, it's not perfect. <laughs> right. It's pretty edgy, but it works. Right. He wouldn't do well on, uh, you know, uh, American Idol. Yeah. Or it's, Irish Idol. They won't be covering BGs. No. <laughs> no, no. But uh, whatever hap uh, what happens when the heart just stops? Like, is the perfect moment after these ragers. Yes. To kind of give your ears a break. Yeah. And to create a little, like, humanity and personal human connection between the band and the audience. And yep. that story does that so beautifully. Like, yeah. this is the most perfectly crafted gig. Mm-hmm. It really is. For any musician who's going to go out there in front of an audience and want to wow them with your musicianship, wow them with your ideas, and then connect with them on a personal level. No question. The timing is perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and what, ha and what happens when the heart just stops is maybe one of the songs that, in try in my mind being boggled about which is the best song on the album, this mm -hmm. is one of the ones I forget. Yes. Yeah, this one and The Blood. Yeah, the the the, the closer it's for true. me. Yeah, I mean the blood is a perfect closer. Of uh, as absolutely, said, as we'll probably say again when we get there. But yeah, but it's not one of the ones that I'd be like, oh, the blood, that's my favorite, and th this is a, a similar one. It's right. it's it's lovely. Yeah, uh, and it is the perfect kind of ballad ballad kind of song for this moment in the show, uh, especially because he knows where he's going after this, which is a pair of just. Why aren't these number one singles? Either know. of these. Why, why aren't these in movies? Yeah. In commercials? Either of these. Rente Blues and Pavement Tune. That's right. Rente Blues should be in a commercial at least. I mean, they're. I don't want them to be, but they're that. They're they're that. Archetypically appealing, right? The, the weird with another weird falsetto vocal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so gutsy moves. But then again, that uh, mind-boggling celebrate, you know, reference to Cool and the Gang. Rente Blues should be in a movie. It's perfect. Rente yeah, Blues it's should be part, like, in a summertime, yeah. feel-good, buddy flick, sake. indie, yeah. fine movie <laughs> where we are just establishing these guys are in a, these people are in a great place. Yes. You know? Things are good. Yeah. Then maybe it's not everyone's cup of tea, but they're happy and, you know, it's called Rente Blues. You can imagine that, uh, you know. People without a lot of cake. <laughs> but it's that, but right, but it's that time when you don't need a lot. It's about that time when you don't need a lot of cake. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have it, you don't need it. But you're not thinking everything about it. Everything that you actually need is there. Is, it's, some, it's all happening. It's, a, it's the rock and roll version of everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. And again, you know, maybe having no money is like makes things simpler, and like you just have everything you need, and your friends are around. I, I remember I used to cool I, the gang on the radio. You know, when I had Rente Blues, is when uh, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Facebook, and I would sit uh, in the summer uh, on the stoop at Tower Records when I wanted to hang out with somebody. I didn't know who was around, and I would just go to Tower Records. I've done that. Yeah, on the Newbury the, Street, at the corner of Newbury, right, right by the beach yeah. at the end there, like and I would, and right, Mass Ave, yeah. and I would stand right at the little deck in the door because it was hot and it was shady there, and I would just wait for somebody to swing by. That was the spot, and it would not take long. Yeah, and then that was the person that I would hang out with that day. Yeah, or you know the time to- that same summer when I had friends, whatever thing it was I needed. I had a friend working in that kind of place that I could get a you know a discount on or Jeez. whatever. I, to the extent that my friend Brett was uh, one of the blue trolley drivers, and so when I needed to get around town, I would jump on. Oh my I would God. take over uh, the t- you know giving the tour. I'd be able to Copley's church, whatever, and I would talk about it. And some of it was true, and some of it I was just kind of making up. And really? that would get me to the other part of town, and then I would get off. Like what a story. that was Rent Day Blues. Wow, you know, like whatever yeah. it is, this whole town, it's here. I'm not. You know, I'm not living in a penthouse or anything, but it's all here for me. And that's what this song is about. And it captures it lyrically and and musically perfectly. Yeah. So grateful for that time. <laughs> so grateful. Wow. And then Celebrate good times. Come on. Well rehearsed. They all yeah. know exactly when yeah. to come in. Uh, and it, Pavement Tune, which follows... Uh, kind of the flip side, right? Right. That yes, very much so. And I feel like it's the kind of feelings that you're having at the same time as you're experiencing that other stuff. Yes. You know, what, what, like what? What now? <laughs> this is what happens at night when you go home by yourself. Yeah. I want. Yes. I mean, those two songs are paired in much the same way as uh, the Suburbs album. Oh, interesting. Yes, right. right? That it, that same inversion that we talked about in season one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the perfect contrast. And I feel like these things are happening at the same time. In that case, I had a this question the in season. the middle of pavement tune. Yeah. At the bottom of their lull, and there's a there's a bit of feedback that comes as they break back open. Yeah. Into that exchange, I got it. You want it? Blah, 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 right. Oh, right. Oh, that's before the big lull. Right, right towards the end, at the very bottom of the, um, I want my life. Yes. Right. Yeah. There's a little bit of feedback there. Now, is that a happy accident, or is that something that is a piece of that song? I think it's probably on purpose. And, I mean, and so okay, yeah. so if it's on purpose, because I do too, and I'm I I don't want to hear that song without that. With that quink. Right. 
so how is that done? Got a really gnarly distortion okay. on this guitar, which is either done through a pedal or through the amplifier. Yep. And it's is it positioning I mean, I, as is it positioning the instrument to the amplifier? It could be. I mean, it sounds to me like a pick motion. Um, on the right note, on the right level of the high string of a high string. Yeah. Probably just to create that, and maybe you you may those who watch videos of rock guitar players may have seen a guitar player stand in front of the amp, like close to it, kind of look like they're humping the amp with their guitar, right? I mean, that's to allow the, the you know, the pickups, the things that the, that make the strings on your electric guitars, guitar sound like anything yep. are like little microphones. Yes, okay. So the basically when, you're, when you strum the strings, the electrical charge of the, you know, the strings strumming and the sound waves go into the pickups, so they're like tiny little microphones. You can speak into a guitar pickup and be like, hello, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. you, you can't hear it very well because it's attuned to a certain kind of sound, um, but it is, for the most part, a microphone. Uh, they, there's other technology in there. Mm -hmm. So if you put that in front of the amplifier, the amplifier is feeding back yes. what the guitar is doing, sending it back into the guitar pickups, back to the amp, back to the guitar, back to the amp, back to the amp, creating this feedback loop, which is essentially the same thing that happens when you're on a microphone and you speak into it too closely and it squeep, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that horrible thing. Or, or we, if you position your microphone right in front of the amp in front behind of the speaker, you. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. It's a loop between the two. Feedback loop, that's exactly what it is. Mic to speaker to mic to speaker to mic. So my um, question is then, because that's what I assumed, but how can they count on it, if it's a piece of the song, which I was hoping it was, um, how can they count on it to be on key, which it seemed to me to be. Practice. Just practice. Knowing your gear and okay. practice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is maybe like a little bit of a happy accident. Yeah. But uh, guaranteed, they're, so they're trying to make a sound out of it. Yeah. And they found the right note to create the resonant frequency that is the right tone. Well, they fucking nailed it that yeah. time. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And then there's other points in the show where you can... You can imagine the good lead guitarist humping their amp. You can hear that same kind of whoom, yeah. rising noise um, out of that, and that's yeah, that's what that is. So I'm, I'm sure it's on purpose, and it's awesome. I, I would hope because <laughs> I I love the way it, the way it launches. Yes. The 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 last movement of that song. Yeah, after yeah. a dropping down to nothing. Yes. Nothing but the violin. Yeah. <laughs> nothing but the violin and the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we move into that, into what I think is one of the other kind of unfortunate... I, it, again, it's not bad. I do not dislike this song. Santa Maria? No, no, no. Stars oh. Are Underground. Oh, Stars Are Underground. Yes. Oh, oh, God. Stars Are Underground is, to me, uh, I sort of... Oh, yeah, this song. It, it's not... Um, I don't know. But this is like the grittiest tune on the album. It is. I mean, it makes me think of like Rage Against the Machine. It's for the God's angriest sake. song. It sounds like the end of the Matrix. It you does. Know, isn't yes. that a Rage Against the Machine song that ends the Matrix? I think it's a, yeah. That's what this sounds like. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. I really like this song. Oh, I like it. I like it. I, I don't want you to think I don't like it. But I mean, you yourself, you thought Santa Maria was next. Like it's yeah. it's just yeah. somehow it it's. It ends up being slightly forgettable amidst, which is forgivable for anything because all the aspects of this album are so goddamn good. Wow, that chorus, man. Out of your life yeah. and into the darkness. Yes. It is so good. It, sound, it could be off a lost Nirvana album or something. Well, you know? yes. Uh, Nirvana, I'd say, but uh, more is to the point. It reminds me of um, 
Uh, oh, God, her name just left my head. Uh, isn't it ironic? Oh, Alanis Morissette. Yeah, it sounds like an Alanis oh. Morissette song. Lyrically, Lana's Morissette. Yeah, it's it sounds like it's something off Jagged Little Pill. It does. Lyrically, especially. Especially. Yeah. But also that melody, I could definitely hear Alana singing that. Yeah. I love that chorus. I I love the song. I I do. I totally, I totally love the song. But of all the emotions that we deal with on this record, that seems to be the the tiniest hair of a bit over into like whiny. The straight up breakup tune. Yeah, just like, I'm so sad. Like, like it's a little bass when compared with dealing with the emotions of letting down your parent. You know, like, that's fair. Those are, there's just much more complicated stuff on this record. It's the youngest. That's all I'm saying. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. The first thing that anyone writes about is their heartbreak. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Here's what I'll say about Stars Underground. Please. Being a. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. And it's for what you could, I said a few minutes ago, it was like it's a younger yeah. song. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a younger song. It sounds really. Only lyrically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Only in subject matter. Yeah. Only in subject matter. Right, the right, lyrics right, are right. not shallow yeah, right. and the music's not shallow. I'm with you. It is not like really a young person song in in the way it's composed. It's really pretty freaking sophisticated. It's, it's great. I, I, I don't want it. Denigrate it. Yeah. It, it doesn't stand out to me the way a lot of the other songs on this album do, but that is really not saying anything because this is just tremendous. But to a credit, his to, uh, as a credit to his ability to compose a set list, yep. then you ease right into, or not even ease right into, build yet again into Santa Maria. Right. Which is, I guess, that would be my first go-to, his favorite song on the album. Well, it's certainly one of the very most impressive songs. Wow. Um, this is where he stops for a moment and just lets you know that he is not unaware of how special the evening is. Right? Isn't this where he says this fucking amazing yeah. crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Their response to it is great. And um, he says, thanks for coming out. And, they're in their hometown, and uh, it's just—it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And the song is up to the moment. It is. Um, it is, and it has that incredible build. And another, probably, my favorite fiddle line in the mm-hmm. whole thing. Yep. Yes. And then harmonized on the guitar. God. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, it's beautiful. They use the band so well, and this is one of my favorite bass lines. This one, if it's Geraldo, have an incredible bass part um it's just that that slow build and like really it's it, it's i don't know i I'm, I'm left without words because i feel like i've said every effusive thing i can about this but the way I, I love the way it goes from stars are underground into this song yes you need that really nice big energy to kind of create the the wake the yes that's a great way to yep. say it. But still, it, it, it heightens. It's still yes. in a heightened place. Yep. You can't put I Santa Maria at the wake first. Of the boat. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're, that's where you water ski. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a water skiing kind of song. Totally. But man, is it built beautifully. And it's just a beautiful message. It's sort of heartwarming and exultant. I, I have a note here to ask you about. Is there a funky time signature thing on the build and the peak? I, I, that's all I wrote down, so I'm not, and I can't hear it in my head right now. I guess I'd have to pause and listen to it. Um, 
I'm not remembering it right now. I don't think that they do anything clever. N- nothing that you recall like that? Nothing it that could I just be right something that I'm hearing that sounds off to me, but not Maybe. off. No, I'm not. It just sounds like some kind of Like a beat is dropped or something like that. I don't know. I'm not remembering some kind of that. strange syncopation. Or I don't know what. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do a couple of different interesting things with the band here. At like, some point, I thought enough of it to write a note down here. Hmm. I, yeah. I don't remember. It. I don't think they go <laughs> off specifically off time signature, but there's a couple places where the band dances around in here. The next song, I think, is, is maybe my candidate for oh. my favorite song on the record. I don't know if it's the best, but... So so perfect opening line yeah. may live down near the, the sort of trite is the wrong word, but the sort of young, I think you put it very nicely when you said young subject matter of stars are underground, but um, there is a, a little bit more nuanced emotion to it here in perfect opening line. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of sort of desperation. There's just a little bit more passion at least in the vocals, maybe, maybe, maybe I just lean that way. The music is more passionate in in Stars Are Underground, but um, and desperate. But I think Perfect Opening Line is just a little bit more impressive and anthemic. Um, I mean, which is what a great phrase to 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 promote to a, the title of a song. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I know his song title choices are awesome. Um, yeah, and this is one, like, I feel like at this point you want to be anthemic. Yes. Um, you know, you got to get some of the, like, maybe the, the more complex material out of the way at this point. Yeah. Because uh, it's later in the record, it's later in the set, everyone's ears are getting saturated. Everybody's been through a workout at this <laughs> point. We're, we're a good hour into this, almost. Yeah. At this point. Um, and the song's got to live up to it, and, and all of these last few songs really do. My God, right into your face, yep. which is really fun. Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean, the, the one of the ones that I, I sort of go, floats to the bottom and I'm, when I'm trying to contemplate the best songs on the record, but it's still a, it's a great song. And another fun sort of cover reference, too. Oh, that and a re- great story. This is the story with the, uh, uh, the leather jacket. Yes. And then making tapes for your mates. Yes. And it uh, goes into Redemption That song. Redemption song cover is, so, is such a drink of water uh, late in this record, reminding us that you know, and and really elevating, I think, brilliantly the um, the band, right? It, it, we've talked about it many times. We've talked about it already in this episode. How yeah. you sort of adopt uh, and triangulate from those positions based on the covers that you choose, but it it just elevates the band. Elevates the band, elevates the audience, gives them something else to sing along to. Yep. At a at a time in the show where maybe the songs are less familiar or whatever. I mean, they seem to be lockstep with with the band every second. But I think what's interesting about this one too is that, uh, far le- so celebrate good times fits into that song like a slipper, like a like a glass yeah. slipper, beautifully, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, similarly with um. Ring of Fire just sits right in that, you know, little extended kind of break in the song, just nestles in there beautifully, no sweat. Redemption Song does not actually, it, it actually takes a bit of work. It doesn't sit perfectly. Um, he's got to kind of force it in there a little. And I think that's really interesting because it means he really wanted it there. He really did. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a slightly different chord change and everything. Yeah. I, don't know, I feel like it fits. Oh, it fits. I'm just but saying. It's a different groove. It's a different. It's off the yeah. rhythm. From If you were covering Redemption Song, it's off the rhythm of what the actual song is. Yes. Right? right? Yes. And so that's all I'm saying. It doesn't, it doesn't just drop into it easily. He has to choose to put it there. Just you wouldn't you wouldn't do it on a whim. No. You, you could drop into Ring of Fire on a whim playing that song. You'd be like, oh shit, you know what I could do? Oh, it's I this. Right know, yeah. Right? right? You could just drop into it. Not so with Redemption He's song. He's willing that yes. into it. Yeah. It's not hard. No. But it's a choice. Yeah. It's clearly a choice. I mean, yeah. obviously they all are, but but it's a it's a little different and it's interesting to me. I don't know what it means. I don't have any theories on it. It's just interesting to and me. And the the lyrics don't necessarily uh, put that across, except for the fact that they do make reference to making a tape. Yeah. Uh, so I can't help but just assume. I that think that's exactly it. This is probably just a song that shows up on a on a, a mixtape. I, th- I threw it on a tape or two. <laughs> sure, <laughs> haven't we all? <laughs> and it makes me think that this is a really fun way to handle covers. Yeah. In an album, yeah. uh, in a live album, yes. as we've talked before, covers are that showpiece, and Jimmy does some very specific covers. Obviously, in the case of Judy Garland, she didn't compose any of them. Right. Um, that we're in the aware case of. of a frames where you're showcasing the work of a band and their original material, to throw those covers in the middle of other songs yep. is a really fun way to handle that. So yep. you get all the the payoff yep. of the familiarity and the association. Yep. But you but don't you waste a lot of time just of sort time. of doing somebody else's thing. It's kind of a reference. Yeah. It's a call out in the middle of a song mm-hmm. in the way that almost like a rapper would do about a familiar lyric or yep. a sample. Or a sample, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good example. So that's that's really kind of fun. I love and, that. And I think that's the last time this happens on this record. I think so too. And uh, it's a really it's a really nice one. And kind so of they were apparently well known for that as well. That's one thing that turned up in my um, uh, limited, uh, but but actual reading oh. on uh, on this band is that that was kind of a thing of theirs. Oh, I didn't t- realize. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, that seemed to be something they they would make a habit of. It's admirable. Yeah, I it's like fun. it too. Because I, like I, I really think that familiarity. I never thought of it quite the way you yeah. put it there, but it's beautifully put. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. I think that familiarity is important, and I think about that a lot in, in a band that plays original music. You 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 need to find the ways to hook the new people. Yeah. And I familiarity really helps. That's I mean that was my stock and trade when I was playing shows at the Improv Asylum. You know, you yeah. think of a song that is that associates with the idea and yep. allow the audience to do the math in their heads. Like, yep. oh, they, the Cars was a suggestion in here. I mean, it's right. a really, it's the most brute force one that I can, as an example, I can think of right now. But right. That, well, you that did it time and again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every single goddamn time. No, uh, no, 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 I'm saying you, it, oh, you, that you achieved that time and again. You didn't use the cars all the time. And the familiarity was a yeah. way in. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I feel like that re- it's a really powerful thing. That That's why referential humor is so yes. such a big deal. Yeah. Because it, it creates an immediate source of connection yeah. that draws you into the thing. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's really, I, I can understand why they're known for it. It, it, it makes me think that they're a band that really knows how to work a room full of strangers. Yeah. Because they can pull they, they can do those things and they probably just played a shit ton of shows at all kinds of shitty small little clubs. Right. And just did whatever was in their toolkit yeah. to keep people in there buying another beer. Well, maybe, but I think you I think you really I, I don't know that I ever thought of it quite so well. I think that when you mention Redemption Song being on the mixes that he makes for his mates, uh, I think that's really astute. And I think that it's it's also true of the celebrate good times because that rent day blues 
that is a tune that you that you are coming to know or that I was coming to know at that time in my life. Yeah. That's an that's, no, that's a, true. That's an appropriate song to that state of mind and phase yeah, of like, life. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> like like by the time we're our age now, yeah. that cool in the gang song just doesn't carry the weight for the same reason that Brown Eyed Girl isn't as yeah. crazy in Hotel California. And we're the, much more pavement tune nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But back then at that time, yes. that song came on and you just went like yeah, yeah, I don't care if I'm at my cousin's wedding. This song is awesome. Yeah, like I'm dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's really astute, and I think that's exactly what they were going for there. Cool. Yeah. And then, wow, Fitzcarraldo. One of the other heavy hitters. Uh, here's my note on Fitzcarraldo. I don't know what this song is actually about, and I don't care. It feels wiser than me. Yeah. I, uh, the one bit of research that I did was find and watch a couple frames YouTubes. Oh, wow. That's more than I've done. Which do exist. And they do a beautiful live version of Fitzcarraldo, which I'll try to remember to post on the tweets. Yeah. Uh, where Glenn introduces the song saying like, this is, this is about that journey you take where you, you leave the house and you know, you're trying to find yourself and you end up going all the way around the world and you come at yourself from behind and oh. that's how you find yourself. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Um, I was right. This yeah. song is wiser than me. <laughs> and he does a better job of telling that story than I. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think I even posted on our Slack at that time, like, Fitzcarraldo, in tears, at yeah. my desk. Yeah, yeah, I um, remember you saying that. Because that, yeah. that was, I was listening to that version on this YouTube after hearing that intro. And I don't even, we meant to say it, but I don't think we said it, like, that this song subtly, stealthfully, like, just, like, nice you in the heart. Yeah. And and at unexpected moments, and this song did that for me, um, and it's that quickly rocketed it to the top of being one of the, the best songs of this album because it has an immediate emotional response. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you, you don't even need to know what it literally is about. Exactly. There are some very adventurous uh, vocal work in, in this yeah. song. Like I, I don't know quite how. Uh, he did it. I don't know quite how he wrote it. I, I don't know how he even tried to fit what he fits into some of those phrases. I know. Yeah. I don't know how a song like this is written. Yep. I don't no, know nor how do it's I. put together. Nor do I. It just comes out fully formed. Um, and another incredible violin line. Yep. Another incredible build, similar to Santa Maria. Everyone acquits get, themselves very nicely in this song. It's the perfect late set, yep. just catharsis. Well, it's the end. Yeah. It's, it's the finale. Yeah. It is. Right, because they, they then leave the stage. And, and, and everyone freaks out for about four minutes or right, whatever. Right, Um, But it is that perfect catharsis to just leave you at this, yeah, I mean, it's the climax. Yeah. And it's so well earned and so well performed. Oh, my God. And I feel like a lot, I feel like big bands with big followings save big hits for the encore. Right. And, uh... I don't know. Maybe the blood is a is a big, big hit, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems like the smallest song on the record, but um, it is. Uh, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And it, and we talked about it at the top. We talked about it time and again through these builds and falls and crests and valleys. Uh, they take care of the audience. They send you home almost sober as a result of it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It, it, it is a sobering piece. It, or 
sobering, I feel like, provides the wrong sort of, in, almost as if it's like bad news. Like, oh shit, I'm, you know. Fair. It, it's fair. That's it's, not it's what I mean. It's the pillow talk. It's the yes. afterglow. Yeah. Uh, I, I Much have, better. Yes. I'm sorry. I've yeah. come. You yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fitzcarraldo, like, ew, the climax has occurred. Yes. Like, my ears can't take anymore. Yes. I don't want to leave this moment. Right. I don't want to leave the theater yet. I still. The I'm embers. Still in the, the embers, embers in the campfire going. are dying, Much and we are all. Than my crass <laughs> the embers of the campfire, like it's time for bed. Yeah. It's starting uh, to like. Uh, but I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go. Right. And so he's like, "I know. I don't either." Yeah, but we have to. Yeah, because this place closes at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Called Temple Laws. Oh wait, this is Dublin. What the fuck? Um, Sorry for my terrible imitation of Glenn Hansen. <laughs> no, we both have hell to pay for our <laughs> Irish accents. Um, uh, right. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a perfect closer. No, it's it's similar to. Uh, we won't get to the LCD sound system. Three records set of their their last show. Right. Uh, though it was in our list of candidates. Yes. And he and they end it with. New York, I love you, but you're letting me down, which is a similar kind of ballad. That 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 actually builds back up again to something really big, uh, but it starts really small. Yeah. Um, and there's something to that, I think, in the end of a show, and it makes me think all the way back to our first episode, Thriller, where mm. he ends with "Love of My Life," which mm -hmm. I feel like places has a similar place yeah. in a set list where you're like, you've had the big blowout, and then you you just want to be put to bed, like the story is over, and you you want. You want the four endings at the end of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so surprising to me every time I listen to this record that that final moment is, I mean, there are times in that song where the entire room, all of the instruments are silent, and Glenn Hansard is singing barely. He is basically speaking. Yeah. And yeah. Um, just with rhythm. Uh, at a whisper, right? Um, and let's just face it, that takes a tremendous amount of guts. Whoa, yes. And ability Whoa. to own a room in that way. I mean, he's earned it yeah. uh, over the course of the night. Um, it's the most intimate moment of any album we have dealt with so far on record time, and uh, pr maybe the most intimate moment of any record we've even considered on record time. And we've enjoyed some. Yeah. You know, Willie Nelson, Judy Garland. Sure. There has been some real, like, person yeah. close to the mic yep. kind of, like, bringing your face next to theirs moments. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is the, uh, it reaches those heights. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you uh, have some time to set aside and uh, go on this little trip that we <sighs> that we enjoy going on. And there's um, so much that we – this episode has gone too long, and there's so much we haven't even talked about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we kept leave the leaving rest. songs early because uh, yeah. we had to keep moving. But we leave the rest to you. Yeah, please. We'd love to hear what you think. Yes, uh, lots of different ways to get in touch with us. Nine three seven Pete Tim uh, would be our favorite if you could give us a call, leave a voicemail. We'd <laughs> love, love, love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, we are at Record Time Podcast. On Twitter, at Record Time Pod. Let us know you're out there. Record time podcast at Gmail, if that's your thing. Oh, yeah. Send us a note. Type it up. We'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next episode, we will be shifting gears quite a bit, as we are wont to do. Uh, Portishead. PNYC. Yeah. One uh, of my all 
all-time favorite live albums along with this one. This is a fantastic inversion because yeah. uh, I don't know this record very well at all. Oh, fun. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to diving into that this week. Awesome. Uh, and uh, seeing what we can come up with. Good. And in the meantime, we leave you with our cover of Pavement Tune because that's the one we're feeling. Super fun. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank uh, you, thank you. I am Tim. Pete. And this is Record Time. Talk to you soon. This situation's killing me It's got me right under the thumb I don't know where I want to be This doesn't make no sense at all You're quoting every single line I spoke too much but I was old before my time You told me, say, I want my life to make more sense I want my life to make amends road is crooked, cracked, and wrong. They got the odds stacked nice and high. I don't know how they get along. Me, you see, I internalize. I can imagine what they'd say. Given the choice if I could stay or walk away, I'm walking. You see, I want my life to make more sense. I want you had a